0: 18 plus
3: hey everyone welcome to thesis on joan i'm holly they them
1: i'm megan she her thesis on joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the lgbtq plus community in the new york performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective join fan queers and theater professionals me and holly as we sit down with groundbreaking theater folk from brooklyn cabaret performers to people backstage and on broadway for many queers theater has been an escape This podcast looks to have open conversations on where we've come from and where we're headed as a community while clearing the canon along the way.
3: Today, we're so excited to be sitting down with someone whose work you can see on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. Theater producer extraordinaire, Sally Cade Holmes.
1: Sally Kate Holmes is a Tony award-winning producer committed to making challenging and innovative entertainment with broad appeal. Her Broadway credits include Hadestown, The Inheritance, Frankie and Johnny, and the Claire de Lune and Anastasia. Her off-Broadway credits include Little Shop of Horrors and Puffs, or seven increasingly eventful years at a certain school of magic and magic, which we worked on together. Sally Kate also works with the Oregon Shakespeare Festival as the New York City line producer for their Play On initiative. Additionally, she spent five years as the associate producer at Tom Curdy Productions. Prior to that, she served as the producing associate at Williamstown Theater Festival. Other companies that she's collaborated with include Rattlestick Playwrights Theater, the Theater at Boston Court, Keen Company, Speakeasy Stage Company, Sanze Productions, and TheaterWorks USA. She is an associate member of the Broadway League and Women's Project Theater Lab mentor. Welcome, Sally Cade.
3: Thanks for being here. Uh, we try and ask all of our guests to introduce themselves with their name and their pronouns and however you want to share uh, of how you identify.
2: Cool. Uh, my name is Sally Kate Holmes. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I identify as a uh, lesbian or queer person. Depends on the day. <laughs> nice.
1: Understand that. <laughs>
2: So where have you been
1: since the Broadway shutdown and how have you been keeping busy since that all happened?
2: Oh, yeah, I am. I am sequestered up in Washington Heights. I'm very I'm happy I stayed in the city in a lot of ways. A lot of it feels like a lot of my colleagues have left and gone to to stay with their family or just gotten out of the city. And it feels like just a kind of a seismic moment to be here. So I'm I'm really Happy that I stayed. Um, I'm, I'm sequestered with my dog, Pickle. Uh, he's, he's great company. Our conversations get longer and longer by the day. Uh, <laughs> he hasn't started talking back yet. I think that'll be a red flag when it does.
3: I'm surprised that you just don't, you just don't read his mind and you know. Uh, it,
2: it happens. Uh, it, yeah, it does. He has, he has very soulful eyes that you oh. can. You can read.
1: Now we need to like, how old is Pickle?
2: What kind of dog is he? Well, Pickle is just over a year old. He's a mix between an Australian Shepherd and a poodle. He's amazing. He is on Instagram uh, at Pickle but the L is a one. So like, if you want to find
3: immediately going to follow after this. Yeah. Yes, me too. And
1: also I literally got a mini Australian shepherd puppy two days ago. <gasps> How and are I, you
2: recording this?
1: I, exactly, my <laughs> girlfriend is full-time babysitting in the other room because psychopath, but like the cutest yeah. thing ever. She's so beautiful.
2: Quarantine has, has made P- pickle has some separation anxiety issues now because he has been with me. Like nonstop. So I go down to do my laundry and it's like I've left to to go to Calcutta and never return. Like
1: <laughs> oh poor Pickle. Yeah. But like I'm gonna have the same anxiety Pickle has when we all have to
2: go back So Yeah. Um and as far as yeah, as far as work goes, I I've been, you know, all of my shows are paused. So I think like all of us, we've been getting really scrappy. And I've been thinking a lot about like what makes theater, theater. And and I've been hesitant to, to like ascribe that word to what I'm doing right now on zoom and on all of these other platforms, because I'm not sure it actually is, but I'm having fun creating it and I'm having fun exploring new modes of storytelling. Um, so yeah, that's awesome.
3: Are any of those projects coming up or that you want to share what they are?
2: Oh my gosh. Yes. So I did, um, with play on Shakespeare, um, which is a organization I work with, they did 10 what we called first reads sessions. So it emulated like the first time a company sits around the table and reads a a script. So the stakes are supposed to be low. It's supposed to be discussion based. Um, and we did several of Shakespeare's plays. It was really cool. Um, And then another one that I'm doing is actually a digital gala for the Gender and Family Project. It's called Night of a Thousand Genders. Um, It's coming up in September. Follow Gender and Family Project on social media and everybody should tune in because it's going to be spectacular.
3: That sounds awesome. Yeah. And more jumping into your producer work. uh, When did you realize you wanted to be a producer? And was that a role that you sought out or did you feel like kind of fall into it out of necessity?
2: Yeah, uh, no, I did
3: not seek it out. I didn't
2: know it was a thing.
3: Um, I, so I went to, uh,
2: university and I was a theater generalist. That's in air quotes because I didn't know what that was. Nobody knew what that was. They were just like, um, the, I went to the University of Evansville, love them. Um, but they were like, we, we want you to go here. I don't think they thought I was good enough to be a BFA actor. So I was like, I want to go there, but, can I be in the musicals and still be a generalist? And they were like, sure. (laughs) So um, I studied a little bit of everything in undergrad, and I also got a minor in religious studies. So uh, I kind of came out of school with this kind of broad idea of storytelling and and how to make theater. And when I got to New York, I thought I wanted to be an actor still, so I auditioned a lot and then realized um, that was not for me. Uh, I'm a bit too much of a control freak uh, to do what those miraculous humans do on a daily basis. Actors, I salute you. Um, and uh, at the same time, I had started a theater company with some friends, and there wasn't really a role for me in the show that we were doing. So I was like, well, I'll just do everything else that needs to get done. And on opening night, I had kind of like a a meltdown being like, I don't know what I've done. I can't touch anything on stage that I built. And my friend who was a scenic designer was like, shut up. Like you, you are the reason you were like the glue that held everything together. Um, And it was, it was at that moment that I was like, I think that might be my superpower. And I think it might be called producing. Um, So then I kind of dove in headfirst to, to that. And I thought the only path was in the nonprofit world for a long time. So my word for producing at that point was I want to be an artistic director. Um, so I, I kind of explored that. Uh, and then I fell into the commercial world and, and I got really, really passionate and excited about it. Um, yeah, so that's how I, I definitely fell into it. I don't know that it was like out of necessity. I think I discovered it and then discovered it's what I love to do.
1: It's like you had the power inside you all along. <laughs> I never knew.
2: <laughs> yeah, which I think is a problem, though. Like, I I feel as though I'm kind of on this crusade to introduce producing in higher education as like a field of study, because I think that, I mean, look, the the people who are producers are fairly homogenous looking. And that's because I had the privilege to kind of flounder for a bit and find this career path that I love desperately. But if it were presented as an option earlier on, and we actually had support systems in place to train producers, um, I think it would open up a lot of potential for, for different and necessary and urgent voices to be included. 100%.
1: 100%. And especially like, it's, I don't know, I want to say, yeah, I'll say courageous to go into commercial producing because it's like scares me shitless sometimes to think about like the risk. And so like, I'll, like you, a lot of times when I think of producing, it's like, this is clearly a non-profit role. So have, being able to learn producing in a commercial sense too is even more rare than like kind of learning that path to artistic director.
2: And I, I got completely like right place, right time. I was afforded the opportunity to do uh an internship at Williamstown Theater Festival, which led the next summer to me being the the associate producer there, which led to me meeting my friend and mentor Tom Kertehi, where I worked for five years, and he's still very much like my my mentor and dear friend. Um, but that that's just because uh, I was where I was when I was, um, mm. and I feel like a lot of that is attributed to my privilege. And I want, I feel like we should figure out how to crack that open a little bit.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Is, would you still be interested in going the artistic director route or you're pretty solidly in commercial theater? Uh, Here's the thing.
2: I found commercial theater and I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with this idea and the structure that I start a company whose only mission is to do that one piece of art like that to me is so exciting rather than, you know, a nonprofit, you have your mission and that's great. And you have to serve your mission and every piece of art has to serve that mission. Um, but I think to me, I, I I like that model of like, I'm going to focus on this one piece. I'm going to do everything in my power to make this one piece, what it needs to be. Um, and then as far as audience goes "Ah, I am passionate about telling stories that are definitively entertaining but that like pull at the little inside brain strings of audiences to make them question themselves or their inherent bias or their like who they are 12 hours later 12 years later you know like so so I want to do that to as many humans as possible. And Broadway is the biggest stage. Commercial theater is the biggest stage. Um, touring productions are, you know, the biggest stage to do that. Um, so that's, those are all of the reasons I just, I just really love it.
1: I love that through line of the idea that the work that you're interested in is something that's going to really stick with you. Uh, do you have like some examples specifically from the shows you've worked on of like kind of those inherent messages or
2: meanings yeah so like i feel like anastasia was my first broadway show i was a fan of it i I was just a fan of the the property forever since i was a kid watching the cartoon um uh and i'm sorry the animated film not the (laughs) yes Uh, please and i feel like that show in particular i feel like it didn't get enough love but i feel as though it was inviting all of these young people in to see this show where the main character chooses her own destiny in a way that is not choosing the princess role. Um, And I think that is actually kind of subversive in a lot of ways, or it can be deconstructed as subversive. Not a lot of people did that, um, but that's how I, that's how it resonated with me. And I think that's how the cartoon resonated with me when I was a kid. Even though she does go away with her love interest, she is like shunning something else that is, you know, something that little girls are taught to want to be a princess. Um, so that's one way, like it's overtly entertaining, but yeah. I hope that in the back of people's mind, they're deconstructing it even in a subconscious way to do that and hadestown good lord it's you know you go you have a blast and then hopefully like in the next week you're like oh was that about the unraveling of capitalism and the problems with the rust belt and like you know what I, <laughs> um that's so those are those are a couple of examples of what i hope my work does yeah
1: well um, just based on those two, yes, successful. And also, I know Holly and I are both such big fans of Puffs. I mean, oh, I got to like I work on that. it and it's just like talk about something that seems like, like frivolous entertainment. And then at the end, you're like,
2: man, they got me with a message. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was a mess every time I saw that show. My dear friend from uh, University of Evansville, actually, Kristen McCarthy Parker is a director of Puffs and uh we have zoom call right after this, actually.
1: <laughs> oh, I, mean, I didn't realize that's how you got involved with PUS was through Kristen. It was
2: through a lot of ways. So I knew about it through Kristen and then I met with the lead producers and they were looking for for producers to come on um when when they were transferring over to New World Stages and I was like, "Me, me, I will I will help." Mm-hmm. Um
1: Kristen's awesome. She's one of those directors that I'm like always looking for her name. I'm like, whatever she does, I know I'm going to like really
2: love. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: I think you kind of answered my question. Holly, yeah. do you want to jump to the next one? Uh,
3: are, are there some artistic collaborators you found to be uh, champions of queer voices, especially? And have there been any cultural shifts in how LGBTQ people are able to access theater spaces safely? Oh, there's so much to unpack. Um,
2: I mean, yes and no. Uh, I I feel that we're having this conversation, and and we we have to like acknowledge the underlying fact that cis gay men rule the industry. So, like in that way. It is a very queer friendly space. And like I, as a cis gay woman, have been very welcomed in. And, uh, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I know the role that I play as a as a minority in that context. Um, and I love it. And yet it comes with challenges and it comes with uh, things that I think hopefully we're all Looking into right now, especially in this moment of revolution and Black Lives Matter, like the fact that intersectionality, it, like, it has to be the way forward. Um, I don't know that it's been that. Uh, actually, it has not been that. I, I will say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we know it has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in that way, I'm really excited for the future if everybody does their work, which they better. Um, so yes and no, that's my answer there. And then, you know, like uh, the artistic collaborators who, who have been champions of queer voices, like, like Tom Curtehy is my mentor and has taught me, like uh, I was, uh, he, he is a champion of the LGBT center in New York. So I was there when Hillary Clinton said baskets of deplorables. Like I was there, I, I was able to meet Edie Windsor, like, he opened so many doors for me to, to understand the queer community in the city. Um, and, and then, you know, we did a reading series at the center and did it specifically curated for their constituents. So in that way, like, he is a fantastic, um, a fantastic champion of queer work. Uh, and then, you know, the, the nonprofits that are in their mission doing the work of bringing LGBT, you know, stories to the forefront.
1: But you're right. Still a long way to go.
2: Yeah. And I do think it's a, I think there's a shift. I think there's a shift happening. Um,
3: Do you feel like that is coming from a heartfelt place or more of a, oh, this is being demanded of us. And now we have to show our receipts kind of place. Does it matter?
1: I think eventually, yeah. I feel like it yeah.
3: does matter. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think that, I think that if the, the people who will be in power eventually are able to, you know, continue to ask those questions, I do think that the younger generation of theater professionals are asking these questions. Yeah. Like all of my colleagues are true, at least as far as I know, are truly looking inwards and unpacking what we have inherited um and i have hope for the future and you know what if i i'm keeping those receipts like i will read them to you (laughs) (laughs) if that is required
1: well yeah i think there is like a sense of whatever gets it started but Hoping that eventually it's a, it's a genuine, but also like so many things in theater, this is terrible to say. I'm like, sometimes we just have to wait for like the next wave of people to have the jobs.
2: (laughs) I think it's, I think it's both. I think it's both. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the people who have been holding the power for so long, just, they have enough money, you know, you can step aside. (laughs) You've had your voice heard.
2: And, and, and. Uh, that doesn't mean i'm not going to fight to also get them to see you know what i mean to to ask the right questions and also play it strategically right like just being strategic about when and how the questions are asked to get them to see that's my I'm from the south and that's just what you have to do to effectual to make effectual change long term Find your way
1: in and then point out what's wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and in a way that mirrors the type of work that I do, like, come on in, see my really entertaining show. I hope it changes you on a DNA level. <laughs> like and you yeah. won't even realize it until it has.
1: It's true. And I feel like a lot of ways we, I mean, I enjoy a lot of the same privileges as, oh my gosh, sorry. A giant turkey just walked in front of my window. That's nuts. Okay. <laughs>
3: anyway. It's, oh it's my really
2: God. two and a half feet tall. Okay. That, we'll take a photo? That has yeah. to be the title of this episode. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my God, it's so big. Wow.
2: Where okay. are you? Send,
1: I'm, I'm at my girlfriend's mom's house in North Carolina, and I'll be back in the Heights this weekend, but whoa boy, I hope the dog isn't out in the back. <laughs> um, let me text a warning right now. <laughs> the once in a lifetime <laughs>
3: podcast occurrence,
1: <laughs> but yeah, Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Um, but like having the same privilege as, uh, someone that's often welcomed into the conversation. I, I think that's something I often challenge myself with is like, you're in the room now. So try to be brave enough to say something about it because there's a lot of people that aren't in this room yet and they, yep. they need you to talk. So yep.
3: yeah, same. Yeah. It's been a journey of like trying to find my voice. And I think I get into a lot of spaces because of that model minority myth and uh, yeah, just being able to stand up to people in power is so hard. Yes. And we're, and I do feel
2: I have been conditioned not to do that, to like follow the rules and to, you know, be, be the person that, you know, you're, parents wanted you to be and blah, 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 blah. And it's actively seeking to poke that in the face and be like, no, I'm not going to do that. I am going to speak up. I am going to break these rules um, in a way that furthers the greater good. Cause that's what we want.
1: That's what I need to wake up every day and be like, break the rules for the greater
2: good. Be my yeah. new mantra. <laughs> or mine, is, mine is actually in this moment, like live in discomfort. Own the discomfort because Mm -hmm. that is like, that is how we grow. That is how we unpack our internal bullshit. Can we cuss on the show? Yes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Like that is just, I might, I need, I need to get it like tattooed on my forehead. I will say quarantine has made me like desperately want more tattoos. Do you have any? I do. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this though. Cause she doesn't know about it. Um, <laughs> I do have one. Yeah, it is actually, it's tied to a question you're going to ask, um, which it's, it's, it's like not a basic Peter Pan tattoo. Like it, it, it actually is very thought out and based on one of the original illustrations and like, it's not a Disney silhouette of the children flying. Um, but yeah, anyway, we'll we'll get to that eventually.
1: All right. I cannot wait for the reveal. <laughs>
2: Good setup. Oh my God.
1: Um so we talked about Kristen a little bit, but is there uh some like dream directors or writers that you would eventually like to work with or uh-huh. produce their work who you haven't had a chance yes. to yet?
2: All of them, no. Um okay, so I made a list because I'm a Capricorn and I came in prepared. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So at the top of the list is my dear friend, Donetta Lavinia Graves, who is a spectacular playwright and creator and storyteller and performer. Um, She is also from South Carolina. She is a black woman and I am just obsessed with her voice. I'm obsessed with how... I've told her this before and we haven't, we need to like go get drinks and like actually unpack it, but like how similar our experiences were growing up and how different. Um, anyway, I'm obsessed with her work. We were in the women's project uh, lab together and yet I've never produced anything of hers. So I really want to work with Danetta. It's time. It is time. Um, I'm also obsessed with the drag performer, Junior Mint. Do y'all know Junior Mint? I don't think Uh, I do. Um, I'm Googling it now because I'm embarrassed I don't. She is spectacular. And um, I did, I produced this thing. Oh my gosh, it was, I I need to update my bio. Um, I produced Nubia, which is um, eventually going to be a drag tour uh, with some spectacular queens from Drag Race. Um, And Junior Mint actually came to just help out and she's a friend of a friend and uh, I have since like followed her on Instagram and just become obsessed with her voice and everything she says. And um, so yeah, she's on my list. I'm, I'm really interested in how to like queer, not only the content that we produce on stage, but also the form. So like, what does theater look like if, it's, you know, it's commercial, but it's not in a Broadway space. Like what is the Brooklyn drag of Broadway look like? What does, uh, you know, like that, those type of questions. And that informs kind of the artists that I am excited about. Um, I, I, I do love drag performers. I, I'm also, I don't know much, but I'm obsessed with drag Kings. And like uh, that, the the performance and like why they aren't why they don't have as much notoriety as drag queens and the inherent like patriarchal notions behind that mm-hmm. and yada 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 but um I don't know this person but I follow them on Instagram and I love them but there's this drag king named Lou Henry Hoover who is so cool um <laughs> and I want to work with them Googling again yeah Megan's immediately oh my gosh, uh, following yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Lou Henry Hoover is a spectacular dancer and like a dandy of drag king. And they perform drag with their wife, Kitten LaRue, I think. So it's Kitty and Lou. Anyway, whatever.
3: I love <laughs> oh my them. Gosh. Um, I love them. Do you know how many drag king shows in the city? Cause I've tried to find them and haven't had much luck. They're all in Brooklyn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, We've gone yeah. to switch and play before, Holly and I. Mm-hmm, but that's okay. kind of like I—I I don't know if like, you saw my face light up when you said Drag King, though. I'm just oh, really? like I could—I could lose a a day just like yeah. looking at Drag King Instagrams. It's yeah, um, it really oh. is like not as public as it. I, I don't—I don't know why it's not kind of naturally well, I'm sure there are many ways why we could discuss it, but with drag queens being so popular, it's like you think it would at least come up a little bit more often, but it's, I never hear people talk about drag kings.
2: Yeah. For a while I had this, uh, I think like bad way of explaining it that I think is wrong. And I think it actually has significantly more deep seated causes, but for a while I was like, well, In drag, queenery, which is a term I just made up, it's like it's it's people putting on something that is societally um, seen as more fabulous than whatever they were, uh, and in drag, kingery, because of because of stereotypical masculinity, it's almost like going in the opposite direction. Um, but now that we're all playing with what is feminine, what is masculine? Like, I feel like the, the, the can has been opened and there's so much wonderful possibility.
1: Yeah. I love For the sure. like drag Kings that are also very glam. Like they have the, their moments of like, almost like gore and glam. Yes. Or, yeah. Kind there's of a lot of, the there's two. a
2: lot of gore too. And, drag Kingery. Um, there was, I saw, did y'all ever go to, you know, hot rabbit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a, there was a drag King situation. At the last hot rabbit I was at. Situation.
3: <laughs> it's like just fill in whatever you
1: imagine that yeah, would to be. Yeah, it was great. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. I've been starting to follow like uh, Korean queer bars on Instagram and they do a lot of drag king shows. It's very exciting. <laughs> okay,
2: y'all. There is, this is not Korea, this is Japan, but it made me think of this. There is a company that is all women- who do, do you, are you all, you know about it? Y'all already Nobody, know about go it. Go ahead and it is. <laughs> Okay. So it's all women and they perform like traditional musical theater, but it's all women. Oh. It,
1: I saw their Chicago. Yes. yes. Where? Yeah. It was here. It was, hi, oh man. Holly, I knew you then too. I should have like ah. <laughs> brought you along. <laughs> it was like an off thing. Like my, one of my friends got a ticket to it and I went. It was, incredible it's they did chicago like the musical chicago it was at lincoln center and they do this like whole like heartthrob review moment at the end where like all the drag like the kid, well, they're not drag kings; they're just performers playing male roles, and they come out and like women throw flowers because there was a lot of yes. women from Japan in the audience. I'm guessing or followers of the this uh, theater troupe, and they were throwing flowers and like screaming. They are
2: rock stars. They are wow. rock stars. I heard somebody went over to see a show uh, there, that company show in Japan, and it was. I mean, it was like they had to stop the show because of the biological woman playing uh or I should say a female at birth woman playing um one of the guy characters like it, it the house was torn
3: down <laughs> Megan our friendship is over that you did not tell me about this I know but <laughs> I'm gonna,
1: I'm, I'm gonna like check my own receipts and go back and see when that was. Cause I'm hoping it was before I knew you cause I feel really bad. Um, no, the okay. Takarazuka review. Yes. I just looked it up. That's who they wow. are. Um, but yeah, like spend a day on YouTube with them. It's pretty. Oh, it, I will. Pretty, and it's but, really cool because they, they actually sing the parts too. So you have mm-hmm. these like, you rarely get to hear like a baritone, like a woman singing. All I care about is love, right? It's what we need.
2: So. It is. It is what we need. Why don't we have it here? Yeah, it's
3: crazy. Wow. I'm so mad I don't know about this, but I will educate myself for sure. Yeah. Take some time with it. Yeah. We
2: just have we just have Mary Martin and Kathy Rigby as Peter Pan.
1: Yep. They didn't start it. This was before all that, I yeah, think. It goes true. back a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So
1: Sally Keith, why, why do you think you're drawn to drag?
2: Why do I think I'm drawn to drag? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I just, I think it's magical. I think it's, it's magic in the way that when you're a kid and you're watching theater, you're like, how is all of this happening? It is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And I feel similarly when I watch drag. Also, when I saw Darren Brown's secret, different, but <laughs> my mind was blown.
1: Good testament to why, like, theater has to be live and experienced in person.
2: That's for sure. Yeah, same with uh, same. I mean, I I love a, a live drag show too because it. I don't know. There's this energy. Oh, also another reason I love drag, and I found this through working with the Queens of Nubia. They are so, they have to be so radically themselves and so unapologetically, like, um, who they are at all times, maybe. At least that's how they present. And I find that to be so refreshing. And, like, it allows, just being around drag queens and drag kings makes me feel like I am able to do that. Like I have to be radically myself or I will get
3: steamrolled (laughs) because that's usually what happens. Wow. That's amazing.
0: Actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DDW Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> Jumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Uh, are there other theater artists in drag or in theater that make you feel seen and represented? Uh, and, and if not, like, what do you want to see then? Yeah. Uh I mean I think that
2: this is probably true for a lot of queer folk like that moment when Beth Malone stepped on stage in Fun Home <laughs> I was a pu- I was just a puddle in circle on the square in the square I was like s- heaving sobbing and I think it was this moment where I was like I have never like I I present as pretty femme, but I was still seeing a part of me presented so clearly and so unapologetically that it, it like shook me to my core. Um, and that's the most visceral, like, version of that that I've ever experienced. Hmm. Um, I mean, just like embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing crime. nothing had yeah, happened um, nothing had happened yet yeah right
1: <laughs> that should be like a project it's like pictures of yourself during fun home like oh, and we would no. all just have a different moment where we're just like <laughs> sobbing
2: yeah. there's like Every a colleague there's like a colleague of mine sitting next to me that I was with my girlfriend at the time and we had, we went to see it. And I was like preparing myself for this experience. And then of course some like professional connection was two seats down. And I was like, ah, oh, damn, we're about, they are about, they are about to see a whole other side.
3: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It was on Broadway when I was single and it's, uh, was kind of like my go-to like fourth date.
2: Uh, <laughs> we know, oh my god yeah. we know we know holly's game <laughs> <laughs> oh my
3: god. And, uh, one time uh we were doing standing room and like you stand and you kind of lean on the bar behind the seats and she had, like, no idea about the show or the comic and wasn't familiar with it at all. And, like, as the show went on and got more and more intense, she started, like, backing up from the bar, like, further and further away from me. <laughs> By the end of the show, she was, like, up against the back wall. Oh, my gosh. Couldn't engage. But... Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So
2: how did that work out? <laughs>
3: uh, I mean, we're not together now. but <laughs>
2: Um, but yeah, yeah. And I just, it is, uh, kind of inexcusable that it took until I was almost 30 to have that moment. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think that's wrong. (laughs) And I think we should fix that. Um, and, and, and from what I can tell the work in development is looking towards a, you know, more accurate picture of our world. Uh, I hope. And I, I know, I know that the, my, my peers, and I think our peers, that's what, that's what we're interested in is work that is actually representative of the world we live in.
1: Right. And I'm always grateful that not only was it so well received by like, just people in our community but like all the accolades it got and the attention it got outside i think fun home opened a lot of doors for people and i hope it continues to
2: yeah it's great it's the name of this podcast These, yeah are the
1: here, we are. here we are <laughs>
3: we can talk about it in every episode probably uh, yeah <laughs> i'm trying to if i were
2: i want to come on again and come up with another answer to that though so I, so it's not just about fun
1: home. No, I'm totally fine. It's usually just about fun home. So no shame. Yeah. Um, you already talked a little bit about um, your connection with Tom and your relationship working with him, but are there any other queer mentors in the theater that um, you could name or were there any producers um, who kind of led the way for you?
2: Uh, all of the producers I've worked with for the most part have been cis gay men. So like, if you are a queer person who isn't a cis gay man, please get at me. I would love to be mentored (laughs) by you. That would be spectacular. Um, I am very lucky. Uh, but I also, you know, like Lisa Crone said, you have to see it to be it. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm sure she said it better than that, but, I would love to see more. And, and if it takes just me, like becoming that and being that for somebody else, fine. Um, and moments like this, like I, I feel as though Megan and Holly, you are now my mentors and we (laughs) are going to take over the industry. It'll be great. Sounds like a plan.
1: Mostly just talking about all women Japanese productions in Turkey. So, yeah, so that's, that's our platform. There you go. <laughs> but no, agreed. And if you find those queer producers out there, please send them our way because we yeah. don't know who they are either. Yeah. I
2: mean, I know who some are. I'm just, they're not mentoring me yet, but they will, maybe. Yeah.
3: Maybe? <laughs> uh, you said in a recent Playbill interview that you wanted to create work that is overtly entertaining and all your projects go beyond that. And you've talked about that already a little bit, but what, what do you think keeps queer people, especially from allowing themselves to be entertained and to experience joy? Yeah. That is a big thing. Oh my gosh. Well,
2: if we're, I feel like, and I've thought about this a lot in this very moment as I'm seeing a lot of my ally, straight friends, like, grapple with Black Lives Matter and their place in the the system of white supremacy that exists, I feel strangely, like, more prepared to access those questions because I have come out as queer, because there is some, like, underlying otherness about me. And I feel like if you apply that to theater... It's hard to just have fun at a show if you are going in with this, like, oh, my gosh, but they're only straight people on stage. So, like, where am I within this thing? Like, I I am dealing with all of this other stuff inside of me. Um So I think that. But I also, I feel like when I said overtly entertaining, it was what we were talking about before. It's like, I want it to, I want... Joe Sixpack from Peoria to be able to come in, see my show, love it, and have that little question nagging at him, you know? Um, So, so that, uh, and, and, you know, like the queers love a big musical number, but I do think if, if the show is kind of surface level, it leaves something to be desired. Sometimes, but you know, mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes you just love a good tap number. I don't know.
3: I'm, I do. We can have all those things.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all need to get rid of tap. That's
2: for sure. <laughs> I, I tap dance for a long time. And yeah,
3: me too. I love it.
2: <laughs> y'all, do we need to go to a tap class? I'm so scared. I want to go to like one in far out Brooklyn because I don't, I don't want any Broadway people. To see
3: <laughs> Do you know about Ballets? What? It's a queer ballet company and they do like open classes for all levels of people and you dance to like David Bowie and Beyonce and it's like not about technique at all. It's just like do what feels good to your body. It's so much fun.
2: Where is this magical
3: <laughs> kingdom? It's in Brooklyn. They have classes in Brooklyn. Um, but they do have online classes, too, that you could just do in your house with your dog. Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: Pickle's definitely queer. He can join.
3: Pickle's <laughs> well, will love it. We'll send you the link.
2: I'm very excited about this.
1: As we've been discussing, there is a sad lack of leadership. Uh, leader producers who are identify as queer, LGBTQ+, Um, how are you trying to kind of pave the way or mentor some up and coming producers? I know it's a goal of yours because you said it earlier in the podcast. Um, kind of what, what are you thinking are the next steps to help make that happen? Uh,
2: I, I mean, I think it's seeing leaders who are a diverse swath of our community. Um, so seeing more trans producers, seeing more queer women producers. Like, I think that's important. Uh, and I think that as we're building our leadership teams, it is necessary to think that way. Um, I also just like, because, because I can control who I talk to, I like to think in the macro and then realize, okay, I can't change that by myself. It has to be like a massive systemic shift. And then I immediately am like, okay, what can I effectuate? And so for me, I will answer any email from a young producer. Like that is my, that is my oath, my solemn oath. Um, <laughs>
1: you heard it here.
2: Yeah. I, I, I will call you. I like. It might take me a little while, but I just think that's how it has to happen. Especially knowing that, like, there's no formal way to do this um, to be a producer. So I don't know. Those are my macro and micro answers.
3: Yeah. So baby producers get at Sally Cade. Yeah. Find me,
2: find me on Instagram, <laughs> Sally underscore Cade. Besides
1: like uh besides not seeing folks like them in leadership roles, what are some other barriers that you think our community is still facing?
2: Oh Megan. Uh, <laughs> I think there is We don't have time. <laughs> yeah. I I think I think you know how we've all been talking about how the moderate liberal is actually the bane of actual change. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think theater is in that place. Like everybody is well-meaning. Everybody is, looks good on paper. Everybody uh, has the right politics but are they actually looking inside themselves and like changing? Um, So, so I I don't know how to do that other than continue to ask questions that like elicit responses. Um, But, but that's, that's a thing I worry about. Um, And I think that that is a barrier for people because if it doesn't, you know, if we just keep with the status quo, it's going to, it's going to look the same and that's not acceptable.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a long held belief with many who work in theater that we're already more progressive or doing better work than like the the rest of the world, air quotes. Um
2: but what is that? Yeah, we're actually gotta, benefiting. We gotta examine that stuff, and even if even if the numbers look one way one year, like we don't rest on our laurels, y'all. Like that, we.
3: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I think really looking at the numbers in terms of budgets and where we're putting our money behind what we're saying and committing exactly. to exactly, yeah, which which all comes back to like the necessity of
2: individuals to look inside themselves and and look at how they operate within the system, which is hard to make people do. Like, it's easier to say, we've created an equity, diversity, and inclusion office. You know what I mean? That's easier than saying, I participate in a white supremacist structure. Here is what I am doing to fight against that. I'll let y'all know when, you know, I have an idea to help that. (laughs) Great. (laughs)
1: We'll just keep living in the discomfort
2: until then. Uh, Yeah. Oh my gosh. Should we, should we three get matching tattoos? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I love that. As soon as quarantine's over.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So Sally Cade, in our emails, you mentioned that you wrote a paper in college on queer deconstruction of women characters in musical theater. Please tell us more. What did you talk about? Who are these characters?
2: Okay. So in Stacey Wolf's book, A Problem Like Maria, I wrote... It was probably a really bad paper because I was so invested in the ideas that she was espousing that I like didn't add anything to it. I was just like, this is my life. Everything makes sense now. I understand why I love theater. I had a crush on Nellie Forbush. I, Maria and the Sound of Music, total les. Like... It, uh, Peter Pan, duh. Um,
1: oh my gosh, when Nellie does Honey Bun, I was always obsessed with that. It's yeah. I'm gonna wash
2: <laughs> Watch That Man Right Out of My Hair is a, a impeccably queer. Um, so... Queer anthem. Yes. <laughs> so I basically just took this amazing book that everyone should read and, and wrote it and turned it in. Um, but no, it was talking about how... A lot of these characters, especially, like, the strong woman, like, if you're looking at it in the terms of, like, a hetero viewer, it's just, like, a strong woman character who, you know, falls in love, but, you know, is, is different than, is other somehow. Um, and I think within that othering... Uh, like Nellie Forbush is, she's, she doesn't need a man. She's gonna wash a man right out of her hair. Maria is, uh, you know, sh- in the sound of music. She is living amongst all women in a nunnery and is like a tomboy. And then like, um, I mean, there, there are a million examples. I'm only talking about the Mary Martin ones, I guess. Um, <laughs> oh, or even like Galinda and Alphaba. Like that relationship soup's queer. And, uh, as uh, I that's just like an entryway into theater for a lot of people. Um, yeah. That was my first Broadway show. Did you think they were soups queer?
3: Oh, hell yeah. And then yeah. I read the book like four times. Oh yeah. So it yeah. was like, it was like a dog whistle to yeah. the little
2: queer babies. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, <laughs> And then a uh, funny story. So uh, at opening, I told you guys this in the email. But at opening of Frankie and Johnny, um, it was—I mean, it was very star-studded, and you know, Audra was there, and Michael Shannon was there, and you know, Sarah Jessica Parker was there. Blah 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 blah. I was, I was beside myself nervous to introduce myself to Stacy Wolf. Like <laughs> she was there. I was not okay. I like walked up to her at Sardi's. I can talk. I'm not scared of talking to famous people. My voice got shaky and I was like, <laughs> I don't think you realize how important like y- your book was very important to me. <laughs> how did yeah. she react? She was freaked out, I'm sure. She was like, What oh, is this? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We need her to be our mentor. I know. <laughs> Y'all should definitely have her on the show. She and her wife Jill Dolan, I think they're married. Um incredible academics talking about the stuff that we're interested in. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I need to read
1: both of her books. I keep seeing the for good one everyone's been reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read mm-hmm. that one. It's great. Yeah. And you wrote this paper in a pre-fun home world. So what would I be did. What's like different about it now looking back at these like what's changed for the strong female character? And I guess what hasn't at the same time?
2: I don't think. I mean, when you look at the history of Broadway, you still associate a Broadway musical with a kinky boots, a big thing. You know what I mean? Like fun home, fun home changed the landscape in a lot of ways. And I think that the trend is for a, a smaller imaginative show like a Come From Away, like a Hades Town, like uh, a band's visit. Um, all of those are, you know, kind of creating this momentum. But when you look back, it's still Oklahoma and Mame and, you know, Hello Dolly and all of these. So for, so I, I feel like in the future it may shift to be a little more um, like overtly queer. But as we're looking back at the canon, it requires deconstruction. And I think that's the big change. Like in the future, it might not require as much deconstruction as there's more diversity in creative teams, um, people writing about queer women, um, people writing about trans folk and GNC folk. But looking back, you just, you gotta
3: figure out where you fit. Was that book written before The Color Purple too? uh that's a great question
2: um i don't know the answer to that yeah i don't know when yeah
3: yeah i feel like that show even was pretty straight washed and the the relationship between those two women were just kind of (laughs) passed right over except for that yeah (laughs) Yeah, and it was yeah it's kind of like it's
2: not named Mm -hmm. overtly Mm Hmm. Oh, oh my god I saw, I saw Cynthia Revo. Oh, yes. I'm not okay. I'm still, I'm still not okay. But you're
1: right. It's so like, it is straight watch. Like I remember, I think I texted you, Holly, after I left it. I'm like, this is gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had no idea. I had never seen the movie. I'd never read the book. I had, that was my first time seeing the show. So speaking of books.
3: Our culture wreck. So outside of theater, do you have any queer culture indulgences that you want to share? Do I ever? And do I ever have a list?
2: Um, okay. Here we go. (laughs) I'll try to go through this fast. So I'm, I'm an Instagram person. Like I, I enjoy following people. I have recently found this account called the jungle upstairs and it's this very adorable lesbian couple who just like have a lot of beautiful plants and it's just their lesbian life and their plants. And uh, I indulge that's number one. <laughs> number two. Uh, amazing. I, I know, I know it's tricky. I know whatever, but drag race and all of its capacities. I do love it. I, I say this to your viewership, we must demand more, Trans and gender nonconforming people on that show. Um, but I still love it. Uh, okay. So that's number two. Number three. <laughs> I love indulging in queer spaces. Like, take me to Henrietta Hudson. Take me to Cubbyhole. Like, it feels, I, I just, I just like it a lot. Um, that's number three. Number four. <laughs> I have some podcasts. Okay. Awesome. So really into queerology right now, which is a podcast about queer theology. We Amazing. love it. We love to see it. I also love making gay history because we got to know where we came from. Um, Those are my podcasts right now. I have 17 others, but, and then my last one, my last cultural indulgence is the US women's national team, the soccer team. Just anything they do, anything they say, anything they want. You are preaching to the choir. I, I will, I will, I I that is I'll do anything.
1: In, in my house we were referring to Ashlyn and Allie's wedding as the royal wedding for oh. a long time. <laughs> the photos the photos made me weep. It's insane. Um and uh, they're, yeah. they're pushing out the content through quarantine. Thank God for that.
2: Allie Krieger's brother is an Instagram influencer and he loves theater and he came to see, I think he came to see The Inheritance and I was like, I must take him backstage if for no other reason to like be one degree of separation from Allie Krieger.
1: <laughs> You're like, Things are coming. Uh, about your
2: sister. <laughs> <laughs> Does she need a friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll and, move. I'll move yeah, to Florida. <laughs> totally cool. I promise I'm not creepy. <laughs> not weird. <laughs> not weird at all.
3: So Sally Cade, where can folks find you online? I know you mentioned your Instagram already, but where yeah. else?
2: Um, my Instagram is at Sally underscore Cade. And uh, you can go to my website. So as I said, if you email me, I will answer you. And I have a contact thing on my website at sallycadeholmes.com. Uh, and yeah, that's how you can find me. I, I would say my Twitter, but I'm never on there. I'm never on there. It would be a lie. I'm not going to lie to the people.
1: <laughs> kind of a dark place all the time. Yeah, yeah. I
2: The only reason I get on there is if I like hear an explosion near my home, I'm like, is anyone tweeting about this? <laughs> <100%. Yeah. laughs>
3: Wait, we never found out about your tattoo. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh yeah. It's, 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 it's Peter Pan. It's the original. Yeah. It's on my side. It's fine. It's whatever. (laughs) Is it a silhouette of Peter Pan or? No, it's the, the, one of the illustration plates from the J.M. Barry original book. It is a, like the little title placard at the bottom with like elements of the illustration within it. It's, It's not, it's tiny. I need to make it bigger, but you know, it's nice. It was my first one.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah. And after quarantine, we're all getting matching ones.
3: Yeah. We'll start planning. Yeah, we're all
1: getting
2: matching sleeves. Live in, just live in discomfort. Just like...
3: Yeah. wouldn't know, <laughs> yeah, work. We'll find yeah. a way to get it on our knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Just several layers of letters.
1: Yeah. I think that's going to look Reading. really cool. Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh,
2: quarantine promises. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with us today. Oh, my gosh. It was so my pleasure. Any t- I will nerd out about queer stuff at give at any any chance thank you
1: (laughs) we will take advantage of that yeah thank you
3: again yeah (laughs) this week for queer gives we're excited to uplift and donate to the marsha p johnson institute the marsha p johnson
1: institute protects and defends the human rights of black transgender people by organizing advocating creating an intentional community to heal developing transformative leadership and promoting black trans collective power.
3: You can support the Marsha P. Johnson Institute by becoming a member or gifting a membership at marsha p.org, which grants you access to their events and programming designed to empower and serve the black trans community. You can also make a donation at marsha p.org slash donate.
1: Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Joan. You can email us with your queer culture indulgences, any
3: theater wrecks, or anything else you'd like to share at ThesisOnJoan at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us, and share us with your friends. Come back for more interviews, fun queer content, recommendations, and eventually
1: discussions on live theater. That's okay. Turkeys in the back. Be careful. Yeah, they're scary looking. That thing is huge.
3: Um, oh my gosh. They can be our mascot.
2: You know, they, it was almost the national bird of the United States.
3: Oh yeah. Didn't Benjamin Franklin want the turkey?
2: Yeah. He was big yeah. on turkeys.
1: I mean, it, yeah, I, I feel like they could be interchangeable. That could work. Um, sure. I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, it was about privilege as it should be.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Turkey really threw me. Was up. there
3: really a turkey there? Where you just like, oh, I don't want to talk about my privilege.
1: That's gonna be my new strategy. Just like, oh shit, turkey.
0: 18 plus.